Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church and welcome to another Tuesday evening teaching. I'm so happy that you've been joining us and I look forward to, to seeing you at more of them. You know, if you're on the Gold Coast and you're looking for a new church home, why don't you come and join us? We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. We'd love to see you there. We're a friendly church and we preach the word of God and that's really all you need to, to be looking for if you're looking for a new church home. And if you're in the the Yatla, Lee, Logan area, you can now join us on Sunday afternoons at, at 3 p.m. If you want more details about those meetings, get in contact with us and we'll let you know exactly where we're at. But why don't you join me now in the Lord's Prayer before we go any further. When the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray, this was his response. He said, say, our Father in heaven, <clears throat> hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's his kingdom, it's his power, and it's his glory. It's got nothing to do with us. It's all about him. Tonight we're going to continue our series from the book of Acts. Now the book of Acts is a record of the evangelistic and missionary activity of the early church. <coughs> Excuse me. And we need to proclaim the message that calls people to conversion and to faith. Great conversions from the book of Acts is the, the theme we've been working for you through. And today we're going to talk about the conversion of the Philippian jailer. The text we're concentrating on is Acts 16, 30, through to 31. Let's read them together. I'm reading from the New King James Version. You can read from whichever version you want. But if you've got your Bible there, open it up. Verse 30 says, And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. How good is that? That's all he had to do. None of this other stuff that we try and add in, None of these other things. Believe and be saved. The scriptures we're working through are Acts 16, 19 through to 32. Now let's read them together. Now there's quite a few verses there, but we're a Bible-believing church. So let's read them. Verse 19. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive and to observe then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods We're in verse 23 now and when they had laid many stripes on them when they threw them into prison commanding the jailer keep them securely having received such a charge he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. And then it goes on about how the Philippian jailer is saved. Verse 25, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all of the doors opened, and everyone's chains were loosened. And the keeper of the prison, we're in verse 27, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, 
drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. He wanted to know what it meant to be saved, what he had to do. And then when he believed, the word was preached. Let's pray. Let's pray for offering before we go any further this evening. We pray for offering every time we, we take up an offering because we want to make sure it's blessed. Father, although we can never comprehend the glory of Christ's deity, we rejoice in you that you have sent him to us for the miracles he performed, for the lessons he taught us, Lord, and for the death he experienced for us, we are thankful. May in the hour, in this hour, a spark of the divine be kindled within us, Lord. May that spark tonight fan the flames of love and compassion and may Christ in us create a new zeal to share him with others through our lives and our gifts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this evening. Amen. So the details are on the bottom of the screen if you'd like to sow into the refinery. If you sow into the refinery, you are certainly sowing into good soil. You know, the conversion of the Philippian jailer is the title of this evening's message. You've probably worked that out by now. And the purpose of this message is to encourage all who are unsaved to be saved now. And if you're sitting there this evening and saying, well, you know, I'm saved, I've been in church for, for years, this message could still be for you. So don't switch it off. In fact, share it with someone. Because there's many people that have been sitting in churches for many, many years that say that they're saved, but they don't actually know the Lord. You don't want to be one of those people that when we get to heaven, he says, I did not know you. But Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick. I did not know you. You don't want to hear that. So in discussing this subject, five specific incidences are involved in the jailer's conversion. And we're going to use those to assist us this evening to help an unsaved person get on their way to a conversion experience. The first one is a great earthquake was used to get the people's attention. Do you think that God may have been trying to get people's attention over the last few years? God accomplished a great deal through that earthquake, didn't he? Prison doors were opened. Stocks were loosened. Hearts were smitten. And conscience were pricked. The jailer was awakened physically and spiritually. Perhaps over the last couple of years, the Lord has given you a bit of a shaking so he can wake you up spiritually and physically. This was a necessity before the jailer could be saved. <coughs> Excuse me. The scripture passage indicates that this awakening was an outward answer to prayer and an outward answer to worship. In those days, as now, heaven and earth were moved by holy people praying and singing. God still accomplishes his purpose in getting the attention of the lost, doesn't he? How does he go about doing so now, though? What methods does he use? 
What are his earthquakes today? Sometimes the Lord uses physical crisis in the life of the lost to get their attention. Sometimes it's physical. On the other hand, he may use a simple confrontation of a spiritual truth. He may use a word softly spoken by a Sunday school teacher or by a friend or a neighbour or, or even a word softly spoken by a pastor. Second thing this evening is the jailer's predicament produced an agitation of the soul. The jailer was awakened to anguish and despair. He thought his prisoners had escaped and their escape would not bring not only disgrace to him in discharging the responsibilities of his duty, but you know, his role was to keep the prisoners, keep them safe, keep them locked up. But because of his failure, <coughs> excuse me, his life would be in jeopardy. In all probability, the rulers would have put him to death. It's easy to read the anguish and the despair in the life of this man as we read the passages in God's word. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Those physical threats opened up a larger concern, and that's his spiritual condition. The anguish of the jailer is a picture of the same thing that we see in all lost people when they're awakened to their terrible circumstances. Some lost people are conscious of their condition. Some people that are sitting in churches are conscious of their condition. They know that disaster lies ahead. And they need to settle matters with God immediately. They need to get things right. Other lost people are not conscious of being lost at all, but know that something is lacking in their lives. They need awakening. Our third thing this evening is the agitation of the soul led to a soul-searching question. What must I do to be saved? The Christian witness had caused an experience in him that raised a question. Paul and Silas may have spoken to the jailer about their Lord when they were put into prison. They may have had a discussion with him. They would have been in pretty close together. And at least the jailer would have heard them singing and praying. And there's a progression of events here that we can discover. First, the jailer was afraid. And this fear provoked a desire. And the desire prompted a willingness Think about that when you were saved. Did you have a fear there that provoked a desire to get to know the Lord and then that prompted a willingness to get to know the Lord? The question raised by the Philippian jailer is a must for every lost person who wants to be saved. It must be asked either openly and verbally or even asked inwardly. The delay in asking this all-important question can be extremely dangerous. You know, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Each lost person needs to ask this question for himself or herself right now. What must I do to be saved? The fourth thing this evening, the fourth incident we're looking at, is the soul-searching question brought forth a dynamic answer. Verse 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. This answer involves two specifics, doesn't it? First, to believe is to receive and trust. There's no conversion apart from these two essential things. If you can't believe and receive and trust on the Lord, 
There's no conversion. The second is the object of faith was the Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't say believe in Buddha, believe in Allah. He said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only through Christ that a person can have a conversion experience and be saved. The principle of treating the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation still remains. That principle of treating and trusting on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, the only way to salvation, still remains. And the question that was asked, this is our fifth thing this evening, we're coming in for a landing soon. The question that was asked and the answer that was given resulted in a conversion. This is implied but not specifically pointed out, isn't it? From his actions, we can tell that the man's heart was transformed. Instead of ruthlessly thrusting Paul and Silas back into prison, he became a man of compassion. He washed their stripes, took them to his home, fed them, and listened to what they had to say. <coughs> what do you think the ruling authorities would have said about that? This conversion experience is what some people actually need today. This is the moment to ask, what must I do to be saved? Each lost person whose heart has been pricked needs to trust the Lord Jesus as Saviour and openly respond to God's invitation. As we finish up this evening, in this message, five incidents have been used to review a wonderful conversion experience. These lessons, I hope, the, oh, sorry, these lessons, I really do hope that the Holy Spirit will use to bring you to the Lord Jesus right now. It doesn't matter whether you've never known him or you call yourself a believer. You can still go through this process. And I'm asking you that are lost, especially those that are lost, to trust in him as your saviour. <clears throat> and I really want to encourage you, as I do every week, to be diligent with your Bible study time. Not enough people who call themselves believers actually read their Bible. They spend way too much time on Facebook and YouTube and paid groups listening to people who call themselves prophets or whatever and not reading their Bible. So I want to challenge you to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us than we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because our God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. And if you allow Him, He'll make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you're important to God. You know that, otherwise you probably wouldn't be watching or listening to this. But you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And we've seen it this year, 2022, <coughs> has been a year of repentance and of blessings. But we're moving into a new year, and it's going to be a year of divine recovery and divine restoration. So get ready to move into that. Get closer to God. And until next time, stay in the blessings.